Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. It is a snowy one in Buffalo. Not too snowy, thank goodness. Um, how is it in. Just rain. We've just been getting rain the last two, three days. No snow here. It snowed for like two seconds. Uh, we will talk a lot about the Taylor Hall deal uh, and some <clears throat> some news and notes and some games. We'll take some questions at the end of the show. But we'll, as we normally do, we'll take some. We'll talk about some pre-show non-hockey related stuff. Go ahead, Russ. All right. So here's an interesting one. The Jacksonville Jaguars are literally at war with the NFLPA. Or I should say the NFLPA is at war with the Jacksonville Jaguars. At this point, they are telling players to not sign there. Really? Yeah. Wow. And on Monday, an arbiter ruled against the Jacksonville Jaguars team after finding players for missing offseason appointments with trainers and physicians. The NFLPA initially filed its grievance against the Jaguars after one player was fined 25 times for $700,000. In a statement, the NFLPA wrote that more than 25% of all grievances filed by the players in the league were filed against the Jaguars. The NFLPA even warned players to think carefully before signing with the team. Uh, what a, and, and this is the team that a lot of people think they're going to sort of move to London. Right. I don't know, man. With that ownership, or they're going to have to move Tom Coughlin or something – now, this is the worst thing. Tom Coughlin's statement is maybe the worst kind of statement you could have. Mm-hmm. His statement was, uh, <laughs> we were very. <laughs> while, while you're looking, I had just. I, had got, to- it. I got it. His, his statement was, we were, we're very close to 100% attendance. And quite frankly, our players should be here building the concept of team working hard side by side, constructing our bond of togetherness forming our collective priorities and goals. Those who have everything given to them become lazy, selfish, and insensitive to the real values of the team. Well, if that's not the 300-pound gorilla of the NFL colliding with the out-of-touch, really just old man instincts of Tom Coughlin, it's a horrible mix. And this is what you get. Right. Yeah, I just have to just have to mention this in the chat. Of course, uh, our buddy Joe Morello, who the resident Islanders honk, uh, said Mike's wearing gray today, and I said it's silver. This is a silver shirt, and and of course, Funky goes down the X Men road. Says Hockey Buzz X Men calls me Jean Gray a Jello and calls you Russ Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, now I have to talk about this because I saw the preview yesterday and we didn't want the pre-show to go 20 minutes yesterday. So we moved it to no. today. Um, I saw the preview for the, and there's, there's been a, a teaser trailer out there for about two or three months, but the an actual two minute preview of the new Top Gun Maverick movie that is going to come out next summer. Um, now here's, this is the, I, I thought this preview looked really good. 
Um, but here's the question. Is Top Gun or was Top Gun a good movie? No, it was garbage. Okay. So what, tell you, explain. Okay. So Top Gun is basically, well, let's get a good looking guy, two good looking guys, Val Kilmer and Tom, and Tom, um, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, not Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise. Let's put them up in the sky. Let's make it seem really cool. And let's get the worst pop musician of his era in on this in Kenny Loggins oh, and, create, come on. and create a bubblegum garbage movie. That's okay. what they did. If that's a success, it was. Okay. I mean, I don't think he's the worst pop music guy of his I mean, you know, he did I, mean, I don't know, Footloose. Footloose, Danger uh, Zone, and you know, Meet Me Halfway. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean it's it's schmalty, but he, he had some good stuff. But okay, the movie this is this is what and it's funny because for some reason in heavy rotation on Showtime over the last couple weeks has been what I say is the quintessential great bad movie which is Roadhouse. I I, I I love Roadhouse, but it's 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 just, you know, Ben Gazzara as the mean guy controlling the the, you know, Sam Elliott as the as the aged veteran bouncer, Kelly Lynch as the gorgeous doctor who of course had an affair with Ben Gazzara's character and then Patrick Swayze, you know, doing his dance moves from Dirty Dancing in the form of karate where he's jumping and doing spinoramas. I mean, yeah. I love that movie. I do. It's it's so bad, it's great. No, no, that's fine. I get both times. I put Top Gun in that, in that category. I think it's a great, bad movie because you watch it and it's got great actors in it, but they're all like but there's no great acting going on. No, no, they're, they're all they're all terrible. Like Meg Ryan has a small role. Anthony Edwards, who was great on ER for years. Val Kilmer, who I think you know, played a great Jim Morrison, and was phenomenal. Is there an ugly person in the movie. You have to ask yourself that question. Um, well, Anthony 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 Edwards is not exactly a but movie. People star. liked him at the time. They thought he was kind of like yeah. nerdy cute. You know, Kelly McGillis now. But we're talking, no, 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 we're talking Kelly McGillis, honestly, Kelly McGillis in, in, in 1986 was poster was was poster material. She was a beautiful right. woman. That's what I'm saying. That's all that movie was, was a lot of 80s varnish. Well, Michael, Michael, Michael Iron, Ironside is not exactly a, uh, you okay. know. You really dug deep there, though. You went well, like six Tom, or seven deep. Tom Skerritt, you know. Okay. But, I but, mean, but, it, but the essential core followed what I was saying in this mold of bad 80s movies that what, we saw. What Hollywood movies have ugly people now? It's like, you know, like, you make Point Break, and I'm talking about the new one. They're all, like, beautiful people, male and female. Even no, like I mean, look, there was back in the day you could go, like, you know, Yul Brenner and the King of I, King and I, anything Nick Some Nolte's like, ever been. Some women love bald men. No, but anything <laughs> Nick Nolte's ever been in, like there's plenty, Mike. Come on. Yeah, but but my my point is is that it was a great bad movie with great actors, and now you look at. I, I saw the preview, and I believe me, I worked in a movie theater for ten years, cool. and I know when a preview has been sort of loaded up, where all the good moments in a movie are in the preview, and then there's nothing to see in the. Yeah, actual that's the worst movie. part. If the preview, yeah. if you could tell. No, no, no. But there, are, there, there are some previews where it's it's just a smattering, and then you get a really good movie. Like I'll give you the example: the movie "Throw Mama from the Train," okay, which was 
Billy Crystal and Danny DeVito on its face. Oh my God, this is going to be so hilarious. The preview was ridiculous. And then the movie blew. It was terrible. Um, all the funny moments in the movie were in the preview because they wanted to draw people in. That movie was terrible. Um, now, I don't think that all the good moments in this movie are in the preview. I mean, there's a little smattering. It's just a couple little scenes. I just think it looks good. I don't know. You know, it could be another another 48 hours. It could be a Godfather Part 3. Uh, it could be like some of the, uh, you know, the Star Wars movies. Although I but heard at least another 48 hours wasn't made like 20 years after the original. No, but it was the same story over. It was I same, know. Yeah. And, 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 and okay, uh, you know that I'm sort of rooting for the Star Wars movie to be a complete and utter bust, but I... It's not that way. Why are you going to spend money if... if I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'll, I'll wait till I see it free on TV or something, but... but uh, Nothing's free, Mike. Let's yeah, go with I, that. I know that. But, but apparently, apparently the reviews that are coming out are like standing ovation. They gave Pearl Harbor standing ovations. So. No, no, all right. Let's, all right. Let's get down to it. The reason you're movie like this will get standing ovations is because everybody's been invested in it in some way, shape or form for 40 years. Mm -hmm. So to see some sort of closure and conclusion from that, there's going to be, it's going to pull on your heartstrings and attack your nostalgia as movies like to do now. And especially movies on like Netflix and Amazon prime, they really go after that. Right. So yeah. they're going after that heavy. And so that's, that's not, you know, that's not unexpected. The, yeah. There was very little chance that people were going to hate this. Yeah. And M Michael in the chat, and then we'll start. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you Midway was a pretty good movie because I refuse to see that Midway because the movie in 1976 is the only Midway movie that should have been made. They made, they made basically a Michael Bay version of Midway, like, yeah. like, like, Pearl Harbor was a Michael Bay movie, and this one was the guy who did Independence Day, who actually did a pretty decent movie in the The Patriot, the one with Mel Gibson. But this, you know, please, I mean, just don't don't go there. But anyway, uh, all right, uh, let's start the show. Hello, hockey world. Today is Tuesday, December seventeenth, twenty nineteen. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I do want to say, Eck didn't like uh, Top Gun. I was surprised. I thought he would fall on the side of Top Gun was good. And he also felt like, because I'm just, I don't know what is coming on next. With the Star Wars, if you remember, we talked about it afterwards, felt like R2-D2 has been hidden, and I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Michael Lagello, and Star Wars is crap. And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. I'm just kidding. And Kevin in the chat, I definitely want to see the movie 1917. It looks really, really good. So, I don't even know about it. It's uh, the same director that uh, directed Skyfall, Sam Mendes. Okay. Um, it's a it's a World War One movie with Benedict Cumberbatch and Colin Firth and a couple other actors. So it's uh, a couple other uh, so it's no all actors pretending to be American. No, 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 no. It's about it's it's, it's about over in over in England. Yeah, it's, it's okay. over in France in the in the, in in the trenches. Okay. Yeah, so and that's right up my alley because I know, but that's always my joke is if you go look at three quarters of the movies on Netflix and Amazon Prime, there are English actors that are all pretending to be American and English and they're, great. And they're great English and Australian actors with American accents. And you, you see an American actor doing an English accent, and it's so painful. It's awful. The only one, the only, I'll give, I'll give her credit, the only one that did it 
convincingly, I thought, was Brene Zellweger in the Bridget Jones movies. Not that I watched I watched the first one, and then after it was... Twisted. I didn't see the latest one. No. Yeah, yeah, but but she was had a convincing accent. So anyway, all right. Um, well, we talked about it yesterday as if it was going to happen fairly soon, and then it actually did happen mere hours after the buzzcast. Uh, Taylor Hall is now an Arizona Coyote. We mentioned Arizona as one of the three and four teams that he was likely to go to. And um, I'll start out laying out the deal. It was a first round pick in 2020, a con a conditional 2021 pick that could, from what I understand, could be as high as a first rounder if he resigns. Right. Uh, there are certain aspects of it. If he doesn't resign and he uh, performs at a certain level, it will go up to a second round pick. And then three prospects, uh, Nathan Schnarr, Kevin Ball, and Nick Merkley. Uh, right. Give me your thoughts on the deal, Ross. Okay. So anybody who wants to say somebody won the deal or lost the deal today is just faking it. There's no way you can know that right? because these players are going to take years to develop some of them. And so that's the first part of it. Right. The picks are a key part. The pick, I mean, I don't think he'll re-sign with the team, but what if Arizona wins the Stanley Cup? Then he might. So then you might get an extra bonus first-rounder out of it, but chances are they're not going to. That first-rounder is going to be, you know, somewhere like in the 20s. If they're lucky, it could be in the 30s. <laughs> Go on. So that, yep, that's fine. So that's another thing. With Kevin Ball – you don't know if he's a Dano Chara or Tyler Myers or hoping this is somewhere in between. But he's 6'6", 225. I've watched him. He's a really good skater. He handles the position well. He's got a terrific wrist shot, a really fast release on it. I'm not telling you he's going to be an offensive juggernaut, but I'm telling you that he can be an NHLer and he has some toughness in his game. Where he's going to fall in, you know, in a top six defensive situation, you know, Maybe a five. I mean, I think that's that's his, his zenith right there. I, I think they are. I think they're enticed by the fact he's six foot seven and two hundred and forty pounds. Is he up to two forty now? Okay. Um, Schnarr is a big center. He's six three. He's got really good hands. Like this guy around the net is really good. Now that's how you get a hundred points in juniors. But still, there's some guys that have been able to transition that to the NHL. He's not going to be a big time scorer, but I think he's a bottom six guy right. in the NHL. And I think there's a really good chance he makes it like Nick Merkley could make it anytime as a depth player. I think the problem with Merkley is, and you've seen him recently too, is I don't think his skating is great. Everything else on Nick Merkley is really good. He's smart. He's a great passer. He can get you goals. He can play the power play. If you decide to put him there, he, he can make some things happen on the ice, but it's just, he's one of those guys that, is, is not fleet of foot. So I think as a role player, the Devils can definitely use him at times. So if you want to tell me that they didn't get a roster player and it's a fail because of that, okay. I mean, they probably would have liked to have gotten a roster player. But at this point, if you get a roster player, you have to sign that roster player too. And the at some point, and right now it looks like from the outside – that the Devils are sort of doing a retool, retool of the rebuild. Since things didn't necessarily work out because they have a young goalie, they have a young couple young centers. They, you know, so really, and and Subban, I don't think is getting traded. I don't, and so right now you're looking at a team that's still going to take a few years. 
Well, and I'm, I'm pulling up the comments now. Well, for, let me just add this because uh, as part of the deal also, uh, New Jersey retained 50% of Hall's salary, so that's $3 million. And they sent Blake Spears, right? Blake Spears. Now, Spears two years ago was somebody that a lot of people thought that was a was a really good prospect and sort of hasn't really done anything the last couple of years. What, what, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I've watched him. I mean, he still has that really good shot, but he hasn't panned out. His complete game hasn't really become complete. And so he's a guy that may not make it in the NHL. If he does, mm -hmm. he may end up being just a role depth player as well. So I think the Devils did a good thing there by giving him a fresh start, saying, hey, he's a good kid. Let's see if he can do something there. And I think that helps balance the trade a little bit, but also gives him a chance. And that's what I like to see. Now, um, Ray Shiro uh, talked about, you know, things leading up to the deal. Uh, this was according to uh, Corey Masiak. I'm butchering his name, but I'm sorry. Um, he said that Shiro never had exchanged contract, potential contract offers to Taylor Hall's agent, Darren Ferris. Uh, I, I, again, I'm reading, reading between the lines there. I'm assuming that means Ferris told him we're not – interested in talking until after the season, which is what he did with Mitch Marner and what he's done with other clients. Like I said, they spoke for a while and it, it was a complicated deal. Right. So, um, and yeah, I heard Shike on Toronto radio this morning said that he had touched base with Ferris, but it doesn't sound to me like there's any, you know, there's any sort of Mark Stone type of thing where there's going to be a deal pretty quickly. I think I think they're just going to go through the season with him and then see what happens. And if he's amenable to re-signing there, then then he is. Um, Shiro never thought that he had no chance to sign him, but uh, you know I don't I know. That's fair. I mean, I, I think that's a fair statement because, and Shiro's pretty honest. I mean, I think that's why they let it go as long as they did. So I take Shiro at his word on that one. Now he said uh, Hall never asked for a trade, which I mean I, he doesn't really have to because he didn't have any no trade protection, and he was a rental, and they wasn't he wasn't going to sign in New Jersey, so he knew he was going to get traded. Did we all know he wanted out of there. Yes. So yeah. whether he said it or not, we knew it, and we saw it in his play. Right now, this is the key, this is the key one in terms of Subban and other names, uh, in terms of possibly being traded. Uh, Shiro says this doesn't come this doesn't become an everyone's available situation with New Jersey moving forward. Of course he's gonna say that because if he says that, he loses value on players. Right. So, you know, right now, anybody who try is interested in PK Subban is gonna say, okay, retain 50% of the salary because he's making nine million bucks and he's not a nine million dollar defenseman, and we'll give you a pittance for him because he's playing like crap. But I gotta tell you that. Shiro is going to have a hard time selling the um, salary retention to his boss because his boss doesn't spend nearly the money. Well, he's going to do it once. He did it on Hall. I know, and I think he's not going to be able to do it twice. That's my point. Well, but the, and, and you got to remember, with Hall, it's only for the rest of this year. Right. That's Simmons, the other point. With Simmons, as Richard in the chat mentioned, Wayne Simmons – He's five million bucks. You're, you don't have a chance in hell of getting anything worth worth anything for Wayne Simmons playing the way he's playing at five million. You're going to get a third round pick, right? So if you retain fifty percent, you might get a second round pick, and it's not right. going to cost you anything more than it's already costing you right now. Um, Subban, the problem there is it's two more years after this year, 
So that's the, you know, and that's if you retain 50% or say if you retain one third, that's $3 million for the next two years. Yeah. That Harris might have a problem with. Now, Eck mentioned in his uh, rumors today about Sami Vatnin. I wrote a column um, that's was posted. Uh, if you look at my Twitter feed, it's out there. Um, that Vatnin is one of the five guys I think will be shopped by Shiro by the deadline. Hall was one of them. He moved. Yeah, uh, he's getting Botnin, traded. There's no yeah, doubt. Vatnin is getting traded. Now, Eck ties him to the Leafs. Um, the only way that works is if Cody CC is coming back in the deal because Cody CC and Vatnin's cap hit are pretty close. I know CC is making four and a half. Vatnin is, I think, four eight, but I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, four eight seven five. So there's a difference of three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Is Vatnin an upgrade over CC? Yes. Yeah. But you're not getting him for just Cody CC. The no. league would probably have to give up a Jeremy Bracco or a really decent prospect to entice New Jersey or a draft pick to entice New Jersey to do that deal. And again. I don't think the Leafs are trading Brocco just to get, you know, just to flip-flop a defenseman. If they're getting somebody that helps them and it's more than just this year, I think they'll they'll do they'll possibly do it. But I don't think that that's, you know, and Eck didn't say who was going in this deal, but the Leafs are up against the cap and they would have to move CC to be able to take Botten in a deal. So I'm a little skeptical. It's possible that, you know, I think that, you know, you're you're going to see uh, Kyle Dubas sort of operate outside the box, especially if he thinks he needs to improve on his blue line. Um, so I think that there's a possibility they could go after an unrestricted, a pending unrestricted free agent. But that team would have to have the cap space and the and the willingness to take on a CC as a salary dump in the deal. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see on that. But I just I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you what's really going to really define the. Um, the Ray Shiro era here, because I think, you know, time could be running out if things don't break right. And I think we all know that. I don't think that's any big deal to say that. But when, when he traded Jeremy Davies in that soup band deal, like that's a guy who's close already, right? He, right. And so he's in college. He'll be done with college this year. If all of a sudden, if ball doesn't work out, and Davies does well elsewhere. Right. They're just left with Ty Smith and Riley Walsh as their defensive prospects, and that is not enough to help losing potentially if they lose Subban and when they lost Davies and losing Vatanen. And, 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 and Andy Green retiring. Andy Green retiring. So that's why I don't think they can get rid of Subban because there's not much help on the way, and draft picks aren't going to help that either. And right. Vatanen being traded most likely is going to give you a guy that even if you've got a defenseman at best is two, three years away. So right now they're kind of in a pickle for that. They're probably going to have to spend money on a veteran defenseman in the offseason just to fill out the roster. Well, I mean, the funny thing is that the talk um, up to the time that the deal was made yesterday was that they wanted the centerpiece of the return coming back to be a defenseman. Now, Ball is by no means a guarantee of being an NHLer, so they didn't get, like, if they were tra trading with St. Louis, they didn't get Vince Dunn. If they were trading with right. Colorado, they're getting Nikita Zadorov. They didn't get a ready-made NHL defenseman in the deal, so now you would have to think that either they're going to 
their anticipation is they're going to get that in a another deal like Vatnin. Right. Yeah. Now, somebody asked me a percentage on Ball, like what I think the percentage is he'll make it to the NHL, and I said sixty percent. Yeah. He's playing he's for better Canada. than most prospects. He's playing for Canada, the, Canada, the World Junior. I, I, yeah, he played well internationally. Plays for the 67s. Like I said, he's right now he's on the right career arc. Right. But when you're 6'6", 240 at that level, you sometimes can dominate. You have to see when the talent compresses what you have after that. Now, in, in a completely shocking bit of news, Ilya Kovalchuk did clear – uh, waivers. Uh, his contract now is terminated with the Kings. It saves the Kings $400,000 this year, four and a quarter million in real money next year, but they still absorb the six and a quarter million cap hit. Uh, and that's, that's something they, on the rest. Right. And that's something they can't trade because they don't have them any longer under contract. So um, now if they're going to be a cap floor team, then it really doesn't matter. And now they have to be like, it's just, well, Even if they had other plans, they're they're you know nobody wants to lose six million bucks on a cap. That's a good player. I mean, they're 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 really a mess now. Today they they recalled Kale Clegg, and we've talked about him. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe they're going in the direction of let's give our let's give our youngsters, let's give Clegg, let's give Anderson. Yeah, I think they have to. Yeah, but they and have Lardy's playing right, so he's playing well. Maybe after a couple of months, they'll give him a look. Yeah, but I mean, there. But the problem is, is that the contracts they need to clear out are impossible to clear out. I can't right. see finding anybody to take Carter or Dustin Brown. I mean, they'll trade to Foley. They'll, you know, they they might find a home for Quick if you know they want to go down that road. But it, it just is. It, I don't know how they dig themselves out of that problem. But the, going back to Kovalchuk, um, Igor Aranko, who has been pretty good on on rumors involving Russian players, mentioned that. Kovalchuk, now that he's free and clear and he's an unrestricted free agent, says he wants to sign with a contender. <laughs> he would be okay with a minimum salary because a minimum salary would be actually be a pay raise for him. Prorated, it's going to be more than $400,000. So he'd actually be getting, getting what he lost back. And he mentions that the Bruins are interested. And I know Tyler that's interested in him is crazy. I would not sign him. Just think about this, Mike. Let's just talk about this in, in – by the way, is that Tang you're drinking? No, it's water. Okay. It looks like a weird color water. I might want to get that. I second. drank Tang, but now it's Oh, not. okay. All right. Um, it looks like fish tank water. But anyhow, let's – It's gross. Let's, let's talk about it in real terms. Remember when he just got signed and he went to L.A.? Their power play did not improve with him on it. My biggest problem with Ilya Kovalchuk is – when you put him on a team, you have to make all these adjustments mm -hmm. to fit him in. It's not worth it. And that might be the that might be the case, but it's almost like a free swing when it comes to a team like Boston because you sign him to a league minimum deal, seven hundred thousand dollars. You've got, you know, you you have a, a a team that's probably one of the leading contenders in the East for the Stanley Cup final. He would hate that market. You know that. I know, but um, so what I'm saying is you add him, and if he doesn't work out, you just you just wave him. Yeah, I mean, you know what, though? But it does cause problems. Just putting a guy on the team like that, having him take a roster spot from somebody, which he would, right? But does that, cause problems in the locker room. Don't think it doesn't. And no, he doesn't like chowder. But this is 
But this is something. This is something that they've done over the last few years. Remember, they brought him. They brought in a Ginla. They brought in Yager as a as a trade piece. They brought in a fading Rick Nash. And none of them did well. Right, but it's again. It's not going to cost them anything. But you know what the difference between those guys are? They're not horrible teammates. Kovalchuk is. Yeah, I, I well, I, I think that uh, you know there. I think that's a possibility. I mean, there could be other teams out there. I mean, could it, you know? Could he go to Washington? You know, with the, all their Russians. Oh my God, that, I, that could be a disaster. Yeah, I, I think I think there will be teams out I'm there. I'm not even sure he. And, I've never even seen him and Ovechkin like converse. Yeah, I, I don't know. All, or you know, could he? Could he go? Could he go to Pittsburgh and play yeah. with Malkin? Yeah, I think there's a possibility there. But again, I don't think it's worth it to to make the sacrifices you have to make as a team to right. see if he will fit in. He's not a guy that automatically fits into a team. You agree there? Yes. I agree. I, I'm saying it's a. I'm saying it's a risk. I'm saying, but it's also a low risk because. I put him on the Leafs, Mike. Why don't the Leafs sign him? Leafs can't. Don't have the cap space. They don't sign him for four hundred thousand. I don't know. They they, they 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 have only and they only have forty. They have only one contract. Like they have forty nine contracts right now. So oh they. God. Yeah. No. I I agree. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Let's talk about what salary cap hamstrung teams. How it costs them points in the season, because at this point it's costing the Leafs some points. It's definitely costing the Flyers. If you want to say it's, if, if you want to blame this on injuries for the Flyers, other teams are going through injuries, right. but aren't capped out to the point that when they call up a player or call down a player, they're saving twenty five thousand dollars to the cap. Right. When it becomes that dire, it starts costing you points, and this is why spending to the cap is never a good idea. Well, they need to have that flexibility. The other thing is, too, I've heard excuses online like, hey, we feel like our team's good enough if it's healthy at the deadline. No team is ever good enough at the deadline to compete for the Stanley Cup and make no moves. All the best teams will do something just to add extra depth, if nothing else, and it's hard to trade a contract for a contract to do that. Just the contortions that the Leafs have made over the last 40 hours. And I'll just read them off quickly because I, I, I by, by, by memory. On Sunday, they demoted Pontus Aberg and Martin Marinson. On Monday, they recalled Marinson and uh, Timothy Lilligren on emergency recall. Now, the reason they, it was on a, they did that with Marinson is because the contract doesn't count against the cap when it's an emergency recall because they're up against the cap. That's the rule that they put in the CBA when Calgary a few years ago couldn't put up enough players on their roster because they were capped out. So they, they made a, an exemption for players making seven hundred or $750,000. I think it's less than 800000 So they could call up Marinson because he's making, I think, six seventy-five, and it wouldn't count against the cap. Now today, uh, Trevor Moore gets activated, and uh, and and I mean, it's in the four day four last forty-eight hours, they've made five roster moves, and they have to do this because they're right up against it. So yeah, the Flyers, I, I saw the number. I'm trying to find it. They're already into like double digits for their call-ups. Uh, I think of young forwards. So, like, last year it was goalies. That was bad luck. Now this year it's forwards. And it's because they have to keep rotating them around 
like a hot potato because of the, the salary implications. And of course, yes, some guys are hurt. I mean, Travis Konechny's coming back, so that'll help him. But every team goes through this. Every team. There's so many teams with injuries, it's not even funny. And that's why you have to leave this cap space. And when you don't have it, you see what happens. And it definitely costs you. It does. And here, here's the one final note here on the uh, L.A. Kings situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dmitry Filipovich posted yesterday, the Kings have $11 million in cap space for next season tied up in Kovalchuk, Fanuf, and Mike Richards. Oh, And none of them are playing. So that's $11 million in dead cap space. Now that's, I mean, that's just, that's terrible. And the thing is that more than likely there's going to be more of that because if they're going to trade guys like Brown or trade guys like Carter, they're going to have to retain salary. And, uh, you know, may, maybe even on a guy like Toffoli, even though it's a, he's a rental and a one-year guy, he's making over $4 bucks, And to get the maximum value back for him, you're going to have to cut the salary down to make teams that are contenders be able to fit him under their cap. So it's just – it's a bad situation there, uh, and I don't see how it gets any better. Now, there were some games last night in the NHL that we should touch on. Uh, start with the Nashville Predators uh, beating the Rangers 5-2. to two. Literally beating them. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I saw. I okay. I don't know who the Ranger player was. I think it was five. Bucinevich. No, but that was the elbow from Ellis. But Foss right. was. I think it was Roman Yossi, and Foss was at the side of the net, and Yossi mm-hmm. was first cross checked him, then punching him in the face. Mm-hmm. The referee is standing behind the nets, looking right at it, and is not calling anything. It's like. Right. That's that's about as phantom a call as the friggin' face mask uh, face mask call in the Bills game on. Well, no, the phantom call was on Brendan Lemieux, who bumped a guy going to his side of the bench and got a ten minute misconduct. Now maybe there were words or something like that said that we're unaware of, but nobody could figure that one out. But the Ryan Ellis flying elbow, I basically call it a drive by that he did on Buchnevich. I mean, if if the referees did not see it, I don't know how George Paris could look at that and say it's not an offense. But we know the reason. The reason is later in the game, Buchnevich came back on the bench, so everything's okay, right, Mike? I mean, that's that's what ends up, and that's wrong. No, it's it's to, it's total bullcrap. I, I I don't I don't get why that matters. It's the actual incident, right? You know, okay, it's like, okay, well, the guy isn't dead. Well, it's still attempted murder. Right. So, yeah, I, I, you know, anyway. Um, but I will tell you this. Here, here's what I think the Nashville Predators are um, while, while they are 10, what are they, five points out? They're five points out, right? Looking up the standings right now. Yeah, I think they're five points out. Here's, here's my take on this. They are built now like the St. Louis Blues. They're big, they're heavy, they're tough, they're dirty. I think what Ranger fans found out was while everybody says, hey, Nashville's a great town and it's fun to visit, they're a dirty hockey team. Yeah, they're seven points out of third place in the Central. They're seven points behind Winnipeg, and they're five points behind Calgary for the second wildcard spot. They got a bit of distance. Right, but but five points isn't that big a deal. But – they're, they're a dirty, big, heavy team. And so they're built for the playoffs. And if they get there, that could be a factor because they have a great defense. Dante Fabro played amazing. And he's another guy that doesn't give up an inch. 
but he, you know, he, he's terrific. And so he, he was frustrating Ranger players, but again, Kyle Turris missed an open net and hit the, hit the post. That guy's got to get on track. If he doesn't, I'm not sure they're going anywhere. Like, I don't know what's happened to Kyle Turris. Why the dip, but he needs to get it back, man, because they need that. They need the extra offense, but UC Saros played a great game. That was maybe the best game I've seen him play that I've watched this year. And, but again, I think Ranger fans were taken aback at how dirty Nashville played that game and they can be that team. And so, but the Lemieux 10 minute thing defies logic unless he said something, even Joe Micheletti spoke out against it on the broadcast and he doesn't speak out against referees for anything really. He's the easiest going guy in the world, but just, you know, so that was a weird game from that perspective. And Georgiev, from the perspective of, is he a number one? Well, he only gave up three goals, but it wasn't his best game. There were definitely one or two you would say, like, hey, maybe he could have stopped that. Now, Adam in the chat says Kyle Turris needs to move. Here, okay. Here, it's hard to move him. That was exactly. Here, right. is, here, here is the hurdle that David Poyle has. Four more years after this year at six million bucks. Even if there is a crap for crap deal, as I like to call it. Yes, very eloquent when you say that. Out, out there. There's no one as crappy as Kyle Turris's contract. Who nobody, nobody I don't know of a four unless you're talking Brent Seabrook, a four a four-year deal at $6 million for the lack of production that Kyle, Tur- Kyle Turris is providing. Now, if you're like if you're the Buffalo Sabres and you're looking for a second-line center, are you willing to take a take a, a flyer on Kyle Turris? Maybe if Nashville shaves off a couple million dollars off, this, off the salary, but the problem is they don't want to do that. They're probably willing to take a contract back, but they're not willing to shave salary because it's de- that, that's dead money for them. So, but, but uh, you know, Jeffrey says Andrew Ladd. Well, they, the Islanders have buried Andrew Ladd, and the Miners are saving a million dollars on that. They probably buy him out, or they, you know, they find out. You know, Milan Lucic is three years. Louis Erickson's three years. I'm just saying, it's the term and the amount. Yeah, it's it's there, there's nothing there's nothing you know Lucic for tourist deal would uh, would would make Nashville even more of a dirty team. And actually, Tur- actually, Lucic has started to play better in Calgary. I mean, over recent days, but I don't know if that's sustainable. But I, I, I don't see unless they retain, I'd say one third of that salary. How in good name they can, they can trade Tur- Yeah, I mean, they they're not going to be able to. He needs to come out of this on his own. They're going to need the extra offense, but that defense is still real good. They hit you. They play hard in the corners. So. They could be a tough team in the playoffs if they make it. Yeah. Um, okay, some of the other games last night, the Florida Panthers had taken a little bit of a dip recently, but they you know, favorably had the Ottawa Senators on their schedule. Ottawa wins six – or sorry, Florida wins, excuse me, six to one. Or the Euro, they are. Noel Achari with the hat trick. Um, Has he ever had a hat trick? I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, the one thing, you know, Bobrovsky makes 29 saves last night. Bobrovsky has not had a good year, especially for the if you're talking bang for the buck. Bobrovsky right now is making who's the second highest paid goaltender, I believe, behind Carey Price. 
Right now, he's a 306 goals against, 903 save percentage, and is 12, 9, and 4. Now, we know he gets better later in the year, but this is a tight division where the points you lose in October and November will come back to bite you. And Toronto is an example of that. Tampa Bay is an example of that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I told you, I didn't think he was worth the money. I wouldn't have paid him a huge salary. You know that. Mm-hmm. The reason being, that team doesn't have rock-solid defense. He needs good defense with good communication in front of him. If he doesn't get that, then that's when things go a little south for him. He's very, you know, he he's one of those goalies that has to have everything just right. And if it's not, you don't get the best out of him. And it's not like anything – that's not a shot against him. That's just the way his play is. Well, they're they're okay. Here's a player. No, yeah, I agree. But here, here's a here's a player. Uh, we mentioned Matheson before. We mentioned how he was a healthy scratch. He played last night. He scored a goal. But okay. there, there is a contract that, and I don't think that Florida is interested in tourists because they have strength up the middle with Barkov and Trocheck, but. Matheson seven more years at four point eight seven five. Told you the minute that contract was signed, it was a mistake. That's the only way that Nashville can move a guy like Torres is if there's a contract out there that the team is soured on the player, right? Um, that they would they would move him. Um, now last night uh, the Blue Jackets beat the Capitals three nothing. Uh, Jonas Carpasalo with the shutout. Um, Blues beat the Avalanche five to two. Yeah, the Blues, I mean, right now, they're without Tarasenko. Um, they've got a couple injuries. Right now, like, it's it's all Bennington. I mean, they, they have right. 10 there, don't get me wrong. But Bennington, I believe, is 16-6-2 this year. So for people that thought he was a fluke, he is not. Yeah, and and I mean we're not talking about a, a Patsy here. We're talking about one of the better teams, one of the better offenses in the league in Colorado that – yeah, he made 20, 26 saves last night, and I mean, yeah, the, he's no he's no flash in the pan, Bennington. And I can tell you, sixteen, sixteen, and four with a nine twenty save percentage. I can tell you, there is a significant drop off from him to Jake Allen. Oh, it's massive. I mean, yeah, I think it's to the point where the team plays differently. Yeah, uh, Adam in the chat says I would take Kyle Turris for Bogosian in a second round pick. The Sabers wouldn't. They're not taking on that extra salary. Yeah, so no, that's not that's not happening. But remember, Bogosian is an expiring contract. Right. So you're talking Turis about is not. Yeah, Turris has got four more years. The only way that would make sense is if they retain 50% of the salary and he's a three million dollar center. Um the the other the other game last night, the uh the Edmonton Oilers beat Dallas two to one. Um, in your face, Mike. Yeah, there you go. There he goes. You know, Miko Koskinen actually, for once, made some saves. He's not a sieve. He is a he is a six foot seven sieve. He made thirty four saves against Dallas, but he's still a sieve. Um, but Russ, the funny thing is, they people are starting to come over to my side when it comes when it comes to the Oilers in the sense that they look at this team. And last night, I'm looking right now who scored the goals. I would, I would, I'd be shocked if, if um, that dry when they won. That dry side on McDavid. Let me see here. Well, I think dry Seidel did score. Zach, Zach, Zach Cassian from McDavid and Darnell Nurse. Leon Dreisaitl from Alex Chason, Chason and Connor McDavid. There you go, folks. 
If it's not these, if it's not this dynamic duo, this team sucks. I refuse to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Move on. <laughs> okay. Um, one little bit of news, and um, I, I saw that Danny DeKaiser is had back surgery today, and there were indications that he may be out for the remainder of the season. And he's still on a long term deal, so it makes no sense for Detroit to rush him back because they're going. No the worst record in the league. And he is a good guy. They like him. So yeah, no, I, I have no problem with the Kaiser. I think he's a good, th you know, for, did he deserve that contract? Probably not. Right. But they probably, they probably paid him to stay in Detroit. You know, they, they, they Detroit's in a weird situation. And I, I, I touched base with somebody uh, who's a, who covers the team. And I said, do you think Iserman will sell cap space at the deadline? Meaning, they're they're under the cap. They can put the Kaiser on long term injury. They're gonna trade Green. They're probably gonna trade Daly. They might find some sucker to take Jonathan Erickson. Um, they have other contracts that they'd like to to move out. They'll be a team that has a plenty of cap space at the at the end of the year. Do you think that they will make a deal where they take on cap space for an asset? Because another team it would have to be like a first round pick or a grade A asset. That's right, it. and and the person that I said to said they will. I don't, I would be surprised if Eiserman isn't open to anything. And it, right. it's that's the thing. It's like I mean, like oh, okay, I'll use I'll use uh, I'll use Philadelphia as an example. If there's a contract on the Flyers right now, who they you know who you think is disposable that they could trade, you know, who an expired it's not a short term contract. They're not taking on a long term. Right, contract. right, no, right, and like if it's Toronto, obviously it's Cody Cece. Right. You know, if it's if it's Buffalo, it's Zach Bogosian. Right. If it's Philadelphia, I mean, do they have a do they have a, a, a pending UFA who's eating up cap space? Mm. I mean, maybe maybe not in their situation. Nobody, no, I nobody comes to mind. I mean, Taylor Tyler Pitlick is a million bucks. Yeah, Justin, I mean, Justin Braun is three point eight. He's more than one year. He's two years, isn't no, he? No, no, he's a he's a UFA. He's the only one year, but they can't afford to get rid of him. So right. he's, that. he's actually playing D, uh, Brian Elliott. Great, but he's okay. Right. So, but there are other teams where yeah, they're, they're not the right team. Right, but yeah, like Buffalo, Toronto. There's a number of teams that need to open yeah. up the cap space, and they said, yeah, that make that would make sense. Now, Funky is saying, you know, they they have to resign Mantha and Bertuzzi and Athanasiu. Maybe, maybe those guys are guys that Eisenman doesn't like. Mantha, I think they will resign. I think the CEO, they may not because they had a go round with his agent the last time, and Eisenman's not going to put up with it this time. Who is the other player? Uh, Athena CEO. No, 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 I said him. Who? Bertuzzi. Yeah, Bertuzzi, they'll resign. Yeah, um, uh, by the way, um, bada bing, bite your tongue. He said, I'm positive Mike has a Sabres T-shirt under that gray sweater. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll take some questions in the chat here. But, uh, yeah, let me just look at some of the games. Well, actually, hold on. Before we take questions in the chat, mm -hmm. let's talk about Josh Hosang coming back. Yeah, good. I'm sorry. After 10 weeks, mm -hmm. he is now back with the um, Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Right. He, he put out an Eminem video yesterday, the one where – you know, uh, he says, you know, um, what, what's the name of that song? Um, but basically the, the one that says he's back and he dresses up like Robin in the video. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the name. So I'm, old. I'm not an Eminem fan. So I'm, old, I'm late, so I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Now, people might take that the wrong way, but here it is. At the end of the day, and even like Dan Petru tweeted to me and says, I'm sure they would trade him if somebody wanted him. Teams want him. Don't yeah. think that a team doesn't want him. It's, it's about the return. But again, if you really want to trade a player, you could trade him tomorrow to somebody for a conditional seventh-round pick right. to do the right thing and let him play somewhere else. And I'm telling you, he needs to play somewhere else. And here, and, and this is the point that I made to you when we talked before the, before the show. Lou, a couple years ago in Toronto, and Lee fans know this, he was the one who claimed Frankie Corrado off of waivers from Vancouver. Babcock was the one who said, "I, you know, I, I personally believe Babcock was ex was uh, showing off his power and will by saying, I'm not going to play a guy that I didn't sign off on you picking up and never played Frankie Corrado. And in the end, Lamorella said, if he won't play, then I'll find him a home. That was because Babcock wouldn't play him. In this instance, it's the player is saying he wants out. Lamorello, if he went out there and shopped him, probably was getting lowballed because they know that he wants out. And he's like, he's basically saying, I'm not going to give up an asset for anything lower than what I think he's worth. The problem is, is that nobody, you know, everybody knows that he's not worth anything to the Islanders, but it's principle. Right. And at this point, you have to let that go. I mean, seriously, at some point, you have to do the right thing by the player. You do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's take some questions. Also, I will tell you this. For the people that are critics that say, hey, you know, he's just this or he's just that, somebody retweeted and pointed out his advanced stats at the AHL level. And, like, one of the things showed that he could create offense. And you know what? Josh Hosang can create offense on his own. Yeah. There's no question about it. I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean – Unfortunately, he might have to wait for expansion to get his opportunity. That's crazy, which is that—that that means burning three or four years of his career, which I think is ridiculous. But um, okay, uh, some questions. Drew asks, "What do the Yotes do now that they seem to be all in?" Well, this is it. They're all in. Yeah, I mean, I'll look. I'll look up on Cap Friendly uh, to see where they are in terms of cap space. But I can't imagine they, they had they had to have the Devils retain fifty percent. Right. Yeah, they're they're they have players on LTIR and they only have seven hundred and forty eight thousand in cap space. So that, that yeah, they're done unless they move out other salaries. They're they're in the same boat again as as Boston and Toronto and Buffalo and a few other teams. But so, I think they're going to win the Pacific now. I do because yeah. I think their defense has proven to me that they're good. Chikrin looks great. Kepner looks great because yeah. not giving up rebounds. They're a tough team to face, and I think they're going to win a lot of games down the stretch. And that division is lousy. We could we could say that with all great certainty, right? We don't. And so, talk me out of it. Tell me how they're not going to win the Pacific. No, I, I agree. I think they're I think they're a better overall team. They're better defensively than Edmonton and and Vegas. They're better than Vegas defense. Uh, defensively, in terms of team defense, that, that's the one place I think Arizona, if they could make some move. You know, maybe they can move out a forward for a defenseman because remember, Demers is out right now. They're operating with uh, with Chikrin, with Ekman Larson, with Goligoski, and then it's basically Robbie Russo and Aaron Ness. It's it's a bunch of, I mean, really, you know, unheralded guys. I think they if they could find a way to add defensive depth before the deadline, I think that's what where they defense is good. Yeah, no, their team defense is really good, um, and their goaltending is really good. Uh, what team do you think has the most 
bad contracts. Uh, El Guapo says LA King. I mean, I think that they're definitely up there. I think, you know, the Kings have them. I think the Flyers have some. I think um, the Sharks have some. Yeah. Minnesota has some. I think those are the I think those are sort of the teams that have noticeable ones that are questionable. I think the Chicago Blackhawks are. The Blackhawks too, thank you. Yeah, yeah I mean Seabrook, Brandon Saad for production level. He's only got a year left. I don't consider Taves and Kane bad contracts because no, I mean Kane's in the top five scoring now. I think. I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give you the I'll give you the list here. I, I don't I still don't think Keefe's is bad because he's only got three years left. He's Cal- not a power play guy anymore. No, not he's not a liability like Seabrook is. I think Seabrook's right. contract is bad. I think Connor Murphy's contract is bad. I think Calvin DeHaan's contract is bad. I th- I think Saad's contract, Zach Smith, they've got five or six bad contracts. Yeah, they're so, one of the leaders for sure. Yeah, they're, if not them, then the Kings. Yeah, them, Kings, the Wild, those are the three leaders. Uh, and, and the Sharks are honorable men. Sharks are on there too. Uh, Adam asks, how positive will Middlestat react to going to Rochester? Well, I think he's he's not that kind of kid. He he is a down-to-earth guy. He's a good teammate. He will play his ass off down there. I think this was overdue, and not because I think Middlestat had any kind of attitude problem, but the last couple weeks, Ralph Kruger was healthy scratching him. You don't healthy scratch a 20-year-old kid. You let him play down in the American Hockey League. I mean, it was one thing when, and and I I was on a radio show interviewing uh, Mike Harrington from, from the Buffalo News, and he was against Middlestat being sent down because he thought he was learning how to play in the NHL up with the team. Well, that was when he was playing. When right. he's not playing, when he's being healthy, scratched in favor of Evan Rodriguez, then it's time to send him down to the minors and let him play. But again, to point out, Evan Rodriguez is twenty five years old, and Middlestat's twenty. Right. Right. There well, is a difference there fitting in with a new coach. So that's the right move. Okay. Let me see. There's a few more questions here. Um, Davy Jones, do you think the history between Babcock and Jim Nill might lead to him being hired in Dallas next summer? All right. So the first thing is, is that Davy Jones from the monkeys or Davy Jones locker? I'm going to say it's Davy Jones locker based on the picture. Or is it Davy Jones, the alias for David Bowie? Cause that was David Bowie's real name. That's true. Um, I don't think Dallas would touch Mike Babcock. No. Yeah. Statement Jim Nill made that would exclude Mike Babcock from being in the organization. We still don't know what the issues were with Montgomery. No. It'll be months and years until we find out. I don't know if we'll ever find that out, but from what I understand, he was not exactly a player's coach. He was more of an authoritarian guy. And you don't follow up an authoritarian guy with another authoritarian guy. So I would think if, if Bruce Boudreaux gets fired from Minnesota, he might be a perfect fit for Dallas. He could be. Yeah. Um, Adam, we'll talk about the 2020 draft later on. It's too early to really talk about that. Um, Creeps Robsta. (laughs) What I sound real. I sound real white. Creeps creepy Robsta. Uh, what value do uh, Honka and Pav- and uh, Pugliarvi have at this time? A draft pick. Yeah, I mean they well they have no value to teams that are in a pursuit this year because they're ineligible. At the draft, you could probably get like a second 
for Puliarvi or like a third and a fourth or two thirds. And Honka, you're going to get like a fifth, sixth, or a seventh. That's it. I mean, unless you're a team like what we just talked about, like New Jersey or Detroit, who have defensive issues, who have extra draft picks, who might be willing to give up a third for Honka. Yeah, that would be a lot, but yes, it's possible. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see here. Does Nick Felino have any trade value? Michael asks. Yes, but I don't think that I don't I don't think that Columbus is trading. Remember, this is a team that is challenged to get players to stay there. And he's one of their leaders. They're not trading him. Yeah, he's got another year at 5.5 million. Maybe next year if they think he's not going to resign or I mean, I, I, Felino is in his early 30s, I believe. Right, but he's a leader on the team. Like I I really and, and Torts likes him. I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I would seriously doubt it. Um, let's see here. Uh, Lance asks, Detroit will probably move AA based on what Hall, what Hall got in return. Um, I mean, it's less than the Hall return. Tennessee is not – first of all, Tennessee is a, a, a arbitration-eligible RFA. He's not a UFA. So a team could retain him if they go to arbitration. Um, so that you might, you might get, you might get a low round first in a different year. You yeah. won't get one for this year. It'll be like 2021 or 2022. Right. That's why a lot of people were surprised because this draft, even in the twenties, people think that good players oh, it's still going to be a really good pick. And that's why you're not seeing that currency go because teams don't, they know, they know about this draft. So yeah, and I I know that there was some you know there's been some criticism of the Leafs trading their first for uh, this upcoming year um, based on how good the draft is going to be if, to to get rid of Marlowe's contract. Got to remember, there's a clause in that deal that if the pick is in the top ten, they get to keep the pick. So you know the worst case scenario for the Leafs is ba basically just barely missing the playoffs and then picking thirteenth or fourteenth because then they'd lose the pick. Right. Um, Joe Morello asks, I'm sure with uh, a, a smile on his face because it's a Ranger question, Russ, Mike, Capo, Caco on the fourth line, thoughts? I, I mean, I'm watching him, and even on the power play, they have him set up as one of the key passers on the power play, and I would do the opposite with him. I would have him be one of the shooters down low because around the net, he's got great hands, and if you can get him around the net, He'll score. But when you're putting him in a position where it's going from the point and he was like on the left side, if you're watching on the TV screen, he's going to pass that most of the time because he can't get a shot off. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have right now a quick enough release to not have somebody get a stick on it. So I would put him down low. I think Quinn's making a mistake on that. Yeah, you can't put him on the fourth line. There's nothing he offers you as a fourth line player other than, yes, he'll play less. But – Again, right now, I told you, he's having trouble finding open ice. Now, they find, they did give Kreider a nice stretch pass in that game. They should be trying to do the same thing for Kako at least once a game. And I think so. I think so. Yeah, Joe said, tell tell your cat we say hello to. Um, just the 11 games tonight. I don't know. She's deaf, so she only sees sign. Yeah, I don't. she doesn't know sign language. Uh, I know some sign. I know some sign language. Usually, I use yeah. it to, to people driving down the highway who cut me off. Um, Eleven <laughs> games tonight in the NHL. Uh, Kings Bruins, which just feeds into the Kovalchuk uh, speculation. 
Um, Senators Lightning, second of back-to-back -back for the Sens after losing to Florida. So the Lightning get a tired Sens team, which should result in victory. But I've thought that about the uh, Lightning and their opponents most of the time this year, and they've been disappointing. Uh, Predators Islanders, so the Isles get the Preds second of back-to-back. -back. Ducks Flyers, are you going to that one? Yeah, I'm going to that one. Uh, I'm hoping Gibson's in net, but he might not be. I haven't seen... Let's see if we can get. It could be Ryan Miller. Could be Ryan Miller, which is interesting. Um, I'm I'm kind of expecting Ryan Miller because he's done well against the Flyers in his career. Yes, especially with the Sabers. You know, I'd be curious if somebody asks him if he'd be willing to accept a trade, not to any specific place, but um, I, I seriously doubt it. I, but, but the rumors continue to be out there. Uh, regarding Miller being a potential uh, rental at the deadline. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think so either, but it, it, they, they continue to persist. Uh, Blue Jackets, Red Wings, there's a there's a winning matchup there. <laughs> uh, Hurricanes and Jets, Penguins and Flames, uh, the, the Habitants uh, have a West Coast road trip starting with the Vancouver Canucks tonight, uh, the Wild and the Golden Knights. Coyotes and the Sharks, and the one I'll be concentrating on is Sabres-Leafs, a pretty big game uh, for Toronto. They come off a really successful uh, four-game road swing, three, go 3-1 three and one against St. Louis, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. Uh, they split with Buffalo. Buffalo's been hot. Eichel's been one of the hottest players in the league, consecutive point streak of 16 games. He's been on fire, man. Yeah, and and this is the thing. It's like I mean, people think I'm you – know, like. I'm being critical of the Sabres based on their history. Um, overall, are they a better team than they were last year? Yes. Is Jack Eichel a number one center in this league? Yes. Jack Eichel has never carried this team on his back like he has in the last month. He has gotten to a new level. Do I think it's sustainable for the Sabres? I hope for the Sabres fans i hope so but i i don't know i i have to be if he continues this for 40 games then he's a lot better of a player than i thought he was i i think he's a great player i just don't think he's a franchise player which is there's a, but he's right now he's been carrying the team on their back and nothing has changed it's right now it's eichel skinner reinhardt olofsson scoring on the power play darlene and ristolainen on defense and they actually have a goaltender who's actually stepped up. Allmark seems to be the number one. Yeah, Allmark's been playing well. I still don't think they're a playoff team. Right. I think they're 88 to 90 points, but right now they're on a, a higher pace, but they're playing their best hockey of the year. The Leafs, um, I think this is an important game for them because the Sabres are the team, well, one of the teams that they're only a couple points behind. It's a really tight race, so all these division games take more of a important level uh, and you know, it's, we have 50 games to go, so there's gonna be a lot of important games, but I think coming off the positive, uh, of that post of that, uh, Western Canada road trip, they need to, they need to beat the Sabres and they've had good success in Toronto and they, they are getting Tyson Berry and Trevor Moore back in the, in the lineup after, um, Barry was uh, injured in the first period against Edmonton. So it'll be one of the – Believe it or not, I've been searching this whole time. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to find out who is starting tonight for the Ducks, but I'm going to go with Gibson since the last game he was in was the 14th against the Rangers when they won in, uh, in the shootout. So I I'm going to say it's Gibson. 
Yeah. All right. Um, we will. I know you're thrilled about that, but no, no. I mean, well, that you know, you're, you like yeah, you're more interested in that one because you're going to that one. I'm more focused on Buffalo, Toronto because I have to talk about it. Right. All right. <laughs> for Russ Cohen, I'm, water. I'm Mike Lagella, and I'm drinking orange water. Uh, this is the Hockey Buzzcast, and we'll be back tomorrow. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.